Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, don't forget to check out the food blogging forum style community that we started over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. Finally, there's one place that we can all convene and talk and that isn't scattered all over Facebook. Here are the things that I am loving about it. It is free. It also allows for categorized discussions on all food blogging topics And there's a category for sharing successes, aka self-promotion. So no more holding back about discussing your big wins and things that you're promoting. Also, everything is in one single spot. So no hopping around from group to group. And there's an amazing opportunity to network and really get to know your fellow food bloggers in a single place. So come join the discussions that are going on over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Don't forget forum.eatblogtalk.com. Okay, food bloggers, have you heard of Flowdesk, the new big email marketing rage? This is an amazing new option for managing your email subscriber list. It is super easy to use and it comes with gorgeous, intuitive drag and drop templates. And Flowdesk does not charge based on number of subscribers. So your monthly rate will stay the same from month to month. Everyone pays $38 a month or use my affiliate link to get 50% off and pay only $19 a month. You guys, this is a fraction of the price of other email service providers, and you'll be blown away by the beautiful and intuitive templates waiting for you inside. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab your link. Flowdesk, the stunning new option for email marketing. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast made for you, food bloggers seeking value for your businesses and your lives. Today, I am so excited to talk to Christy Denny from The Girl Who Ate Everything. We are going to talk through her 12-year food blogging journey today. Christy has been blogging about family-friendly recipes since 2008 at The Girl Who Ate Everything. She grew up in Mesa, Arizona and is the youngest of 10 kids. She has a degree in computer science, which has helped her work on the back end of her website. And she also has five kids, ranging from ages 6 to 15, and she currently lives in sunny Florida. And she wrote her first cookbook in 2014 and has worked with companies such as Betty Crocker, Pillsbury, Disney, and Old El Paso. Christy, I could not be more excited to dig into a conversation with you, but first, give us a fun fact about yourself. Okay. Hello. Um, A fun fact about me, I have, I don't want to say photographic memory, but I do have a scarily good memory for names and places and people and things. So for example, like I can remember first and last names of everyone in my kindergarten class. And so I, so often I'll go home to Mesa, Arizona and it's like, I will see someone that was in my second grade class. I can remember their birthday. I can remember their sisters, their brothers. 
And I have to like slow play it because, you know, I can't just come out with that because people think I'm stalking them or (laughs) I've done it before. So it's not, it doesn't end well. So I have to kind of like slow play it and be like, oh, hi, I I remember you. Don't I know you? Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. You have to pretend like you really don't know. Yeah. Okay. So I have a similar thing. Mine is with birthdays and license plate numbers. And this is so weird. So at one of my first jobs out of college, I started doing that same thing. I was like, well, yeah, your license plate number is blah, blah, blah. And the guy I was working with was like, how do you know that? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I just (laughs) see you pull in. And I, so I can relate to that. I totally have to play dumb. Like, I really don't know what your license plate number. I mean, why would I do that? I don't even, I don't know. Like birthdays too. I remember birthdays from childhood, like friends' birthdays. It'll be like January 10th. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know it's Lynette's birthday or whatever. Yes, I do the exact same thing. That is is so so funny. funny. (laughs) Yes, I'm always like telling my husband, oh, it's your buddy's birthday so-and-so today. And he's like, how do you know that? (laughs) Why do you know that? But you are, you have a computer science background. So I don't know, maybe like somehow you've just got the brain for like remembering details and numbers and kind of, I don't know, maybe that ties into that. Yeah, you think of your brain as a computer, so like you just store it and then you access it when you need it. Right. <laughs> There's something to that. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting to learn that about you too, that you have a computer science background. I did not know that, but it so helps with food blogging and just knowing how to take care of that back end. So that was cool to learn too. Yeah, it does. But you know, it's been a while since I've worked in the field. So I know enough to kind of get myself in trouble. Like I'll go and try to change stuff. Yes. And then realize, oh, I broke that. Oh, yeah. But you probably know more than a lot of people. I know I try to dig into that too. And I'm like, oh, I probably should not have touched that. But it's tempting. Well, I'm so excited to have you here today. You have been one of the longest standing food bloggers out there, I think, with that in just incredible content that has been consistently delivered for so many years. So I think to start off, it would be really fun to hear from you what inspired you to start your food blog way back in 2008. Okay, thank you. Um, So like I said, I'm the youngest of 10 kids. So I feel like all of us, our mom gave us this really great gift of believing that we could do whatever we wanted. My siblings, they all have these very distinct roles. Like we have a dietitian, we have um, one that's in fashion, we have one that's an artist, and we all have these roles. And I kind of didn't know what mine was, I guess. And so I moved to Florida. And you know, I knew I, I always knew that I liked cooking, but I didn't really think it would go anywhere. And my story's a little sad. And I'm kind of hesitant to tell it. But it's the truth. So um, in 2008, my one of my sisters passed away suddenly from a blood clot in her lungs. So we all flew out there for the funeral and we were all grieving together. And then everyone kind of stayed there and continued their process of grieving. And I flew back to Florida and I just felt so sad and I didn't know how to cope with it without my siblings and my parents. And so I remember I made a cherry cheese pie recipe that my mom has made forever. And my sisters would always steal it and we'd go hide in the closet and eat it with just a fork just because we're like, the, the guys don't appreciate this. We're just awesome. going to eat it. And so I made that and I just felt this sense of calm and it was so therapeutic for me. And so from that point on, I started 
writing my recipes online and with, you know, back then you did the whole story. And so that, that was such a therapeutic process for me. And so that's how it all started. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry to hear about your sister. That's terrible tragedy. But I do love that your blog started from a place of really deep meaning. And I don't think a lot of us can say that. I think a lot of us are like, well, I just wanted to make money or, you know, it's like, doesn't come from such a meaningful place. So did that carry you through the years, like thinking back to that and the way that you started it? Yeah. So anytime, I mean, you know, because you've been doing this a long time too. How yeah. long have you been doing it? Uh, 2010. Yep. 2010. Yeah. So you're right. You're right. Yeah. Me. So you definitely have those moments where you get burnout. And whenever I get those, like, why am I doing this? Oh my gosh. I just go back to what gave me that strength and what I found my passion for was those family recipes and just the stories behind it. Yes, I find that too. And I mean, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but like keeping up that momentum is really hard, especially when things are so constantly evolving. But my, I started as very different from yours, but it did start from a place of meaning, I guess you could call it. Like I really wanted to be home with my boys and I worked at a really fruitless, just unenjoyable corporate job. And I just remember feeling like this burning desire to get the heck out of there. And I never wanted to go back there and experience that again. So anytime that I go through that, like, why am I doing this? I think about that. And I think about all of the freedom that I have. And it's not always easy. Like, you know, I'm not saying that it's like a totally free world for us, but I always think about that and it helps me. So I like that you and I both have that thing to go back to. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful that I get to stay home. I know. I know. Yeah. So true. And things can get hard and things can get lonely, but I always come back to that. Like I can bring my boys to school myself. I can pick them up when they're sick. I can stay home with them. And now during this time when things are really uncertain and kids are home from school, I can be here with them and still work. And a lot of people are struggling with that. So, so grateful. Yes, totally. It's definitely a little harder, but you can. <laughs> yeah, it is not easy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more exhausted at the end of the day for sure, but it's doable. I mean, I can manage it and get by and get most of my work done, I would say. So I know it would be impossible to talk through all 12 years of your blogging journey because that's a lot of years. But can you give us just a brief summary about how things have evolved for you and also give us some of your highlights? For sure. Um, so I had my blog for two years before I monetized it. And I felt like I was being a sellout because I, if I put ads on there, which is stupid, I don't know why I thought that. But, <laughs> but um, so two years after I started my blog, I started with Plateful. I don't know if you know who they were, but they are they were an ad company with General Mills, but you actually had to program your own ads. So I would create like a waterfall method where like, if you don't do this ad, then you go to this ad. And so that's also where my background came, um, came to be helpful. But because I was doing that, General Mills is kind of like an umbrella, you know, because you're in Minnesota, yeah, right? Yep. And it has a ton of companies underneath it. So General Mills is the umbrella. And so Plateful was under there. And then Tablespoon is a recipe website. And so they asked me to do recipes for them. And so I started writing for them just a couple recipes a month. And I could also post them on my blog, which was nice. 
because of that, I, I'm assuming because of that, General Mills asked me to come out and do videos with Betty Crocker. <laughs> and I oh, was like, cool. oh my gosh, it's like, honestly, like meeting Tom Brady, if you're into football, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a Tom Brady yeah. football, although she's not a real person. But so I went out to General Mills and Mark Burnett, the producer of Survivor, he was going to be producing the video. So it was really cool. And I was so excited. I was like, oh, this is my big break. And I go there, they do my hair, they do my makeup, and like, I completely botched it. I mean, I and I'm not being humble. I'm just telling you, like, video is not my thing. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so that was actually kind of a low light. But it also, I met so many people at General Mills. They are the nicest people ever. Like, they still send me gifts for, like, when I had my babies, they send me, like, a bracelet. Like, they have just kept in touch with me over the years. And um, Old El Paso is also one of the branches of General Mills. And so I've done sponsor work over the years, but I really was, I'm really picky and I'm really reluctant to do it unless I absolutely love it. Unless it's in my drawers, in my fridge, then I'm like, yeah, are you the same way? Totally. I'm so, so selective. Yeah. Just it's just so much work. I so feel like work. if I'm going to put forth that much effort, I need to really, truly believe in what I'm working on. Exactly. And so Old El Paso, like I love Mexican food. I'm from Arizona. And they were so like, instead of dictating a lot of sponsored work, they will kind of say, you need to say this, and you need to say this. And it takes away the whole authenticity of the whole thing. But they were like, do what you want, use our tortillas, use whatever. And they just kind of let me do my own thing. And so I worked with them for over six years. And they were so good to me. And every time I had a baby, I'm like, okay, look, we're going to do, you know, one less post a month or whatever. But um, I just feel like it's important with sponsored work. Like if it's not a clear yes, then it's an absolute no. And just I've kind of held true to that over the years. Yeah, I'm so with you on that. <laughs> yeah. And then Pinterest came along in 2011. And, you know, that was big for all of us food bloggers. I remember it was invite only. So you'd have to like get an actual invitation or yes. email them. Do you remember that? I remember when it yes. I remember when it was so new that we were all like, what is this thing? And then it just evolved so fast after that. So fast. And so I remember I had a baby in 2011 and that's kind of when it came out or was that it started really to get big. And I remember I would be nursing and I would scroll through and just wait till it stopped and when it because it would actually stop there yes wasn't, there weren't that <laughs> many pictures and then I was like okay I guess I get better go to bed you know so Pinterest was big for food bloggers and then in 2013 was the first time I went to a food blogging conference okay which one was it it was in Austin Texas blogger oh yes blogger yeah. I remember those <laughs> yes so I, that's the first time I ever met another blogger ever. It's so, momentous, isn't it? When that first time when you like in person meet people, you're like, oh, you really, you you exist outside of your little blogging world. It's kind of life changing. It really was. And so my sister-in-law, her name is also, also Christy Denny, which is oh hard, weird, <laughs> which makes things interesting when we all get together. But she... She was blogging at Sweet Treats and more. And so I roomed with her, um, Oh Sweet Basil and Ambitious Kitchen. And I've never had never met any of them. And it was such an eye-opening experience to the conference experience and how 
I mean, you might learn some things, but those relationships that you make at that conference, you're so much more likely to pin someone's stuff. Or if you know them, and you're like, oh, they're pretty cool. They were so nice, you know? Yeah. So have you gone to a lot of conferences? Um, so I didn't start really. I went to a few of those blog her conferences and did not have the best experience there. Oh, um, why? Well, it was fun. Like I met some great people, but I feel like they're so different now. Like now they're really inclusive and... Before, I felt like anyone who was ever speaking was just untouchable. Like, you could never talk to them. I remember I ran into Elise Bauer on an elevator, and I was, like, starstruck to the point of not being able to speak. I was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, you're Elise. And my fr- a friend who's not a food blogger was with me, and she was looking at me like, shut up, Megan. Like, stop talking. <laughs> it was just so – and she was so kind and nice, and she was like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. And I – just felt like we were not allowed to talk to people that were, you know, so much more experienced than us. But now I feel like there's a different vibe at conferences. Like it is not the same thing. But I do agree that conferences are great for the information, but they're so important for making those connections. And like you keep those connections forever. And the in-person connection is really huge. It absolutely is. And so in 2014 is when I published my cookbook. When did you write yours? So mine was 2016, I believe. Oh, 2016. Or was it 2007? It was only like two or three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's funny because people, be, they don't care that you've had a blog for 12 years, but they're like, oh, you have a cookbook? They just think that is the coolest thing ever. And I, I have mixed emotions about my cookbook. It's kind of one of those things where you... There's such a learning curve that I wish I could do it again. <laughs> what would you do differently if you could do it again? Oh, uh, okay. So I wish I had more time. So in 2013, they gave me six months. You know, I had had offers before. And finally, I was like, I just felt like it was the right time and the right company to do it, which in hindsight, it probably wasn't. Um <laughs> I was pregnant and so I had some food aversions and I was, you know, it was my fifth child. So I had what? I'd had five kids under the age of eight and, you know. Yeah, that <laughs> things were crazy. And it was football season. Um, my husband plays for the Dolphins and so he's pretty much just gone. And so I was like, oh, after I have baby, I'll just pop it out. But I uh, pop out the recipes, not the baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, <laughs> and I I ended up having a uh, postpartum, which I haven't had with any of my kids. And people just kept telling me, oh, you're stressed and you're just exhausted. I'm like, no, I know what that feeling is. This is different. And when I've, I've had other people that have had postpartum, I kind of was like, oh, you just need to like, you just need to go read a good book and you just need to snap out of it. And I didn't realize that it was such a, it's like a chemical thing that you can't pop out of them. So, so that was hard for me. So every time I look at my cookbook, I have these like twisted memories of it, you know, cause it was really hard and I'm glad I did it. But next time I would probably give myself more time. And actually the day I handed in my manuscript, they said, Oh, we have this idea for another one. Would you like to do another one? Oh, and I wow. Was like, oh, too soon. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Yeah. But you know, there's always, I mean, for you, what would you have done? Or did you I, same have exact experience? thing. Oh, I actually really? went through, so I, my boys were older, so I wasn't going through like having, you know, young children at home or postpartum or anything, but I did 
experience a depression during the creation of my cookbook. I'm not kidding. And it was, I had maybe touched and dabbled in depression in my life a little bit here and there, but there was nothing like that stretch. And I don't know if the cookbook like set it off or if it was just a coincidence, but it was terrible. So I too look at my cookbook and I get kind of just sad. I'm really proud of it and I love it. But it makes me sad too. And I I really wish that it wouldn't have coincided with that experience. Right. Okay. And I it's just this like double like why? Why? You know? know. Same it's thing like happens irony, to me. Right? Like what are yeah. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah, it's crazy. And I I would like to do another, but I had such negative feelings about that whole thing, that experience that I am not I just haven't been brave enough to launch into it. Yet. So, Yes, Yet. Right? I, I think eventually, but like you said, like I'm really glad I did it and I'm really proud of it and I love the work that came out of it, but there are those feelings. Maybe next time it'll be different. <laughs> that is, I've never, I'm, that's so interesting that we both share that. Yeah. I wonder if that happens with others too, or if it's <laughs> like, are we the only ones? I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Someday though, I, I'm not saying it's off the table, but someday I, I you know, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Well, how about the content that went into it? Are you, do you look at it and are you really proud and like, are you happy with what you put in it and how it turned out? Yes. I mean, I did find like there was a typo that got through and you know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. You find things that you're like, no. Yeah. I had a few of those too. Oh, this one's embarrassing. So my sister called me a week after it had been published and she was like, so I was going to make your banana cream pie cookies. But there's no banana ingredient in the entire oh. recipe. And I, my heart sank and I just started crying. I was like, no. <laughs> I was mortified. And I uh. thought, like, they're going to take all my books off the shelves. They're not going to sell anything. So I contacted the publisher and they're like, yeah, this happens. No big deal. I was like, what? This is a huge deal. Yes. Oh <laughs> there's a banana God. recipe with no banana ingredients. That's not cool. But I think that happens to everyone. I mean... Maybe not to the scale that I experienced, but typos slip through. So yeah. you're always going to find those things. But you always feel like there's so many editors and so many people looking at it that how could it? But it does. I know. Hello. Yeah, it's crazy. And the profitability of cookbooks. I mean, I maybe yours. I unless you're a number one seller. Mm -mm. Yeah, it's. I'm not. You, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, you make as much probably in a month or two on your blog as the whole cookbook, which, yeah. So it's not for the money. I no, guess. it's definitely yeah. not. Yeah. And I think some people do think that like, I, this is just going to kill it. This project is going to tip me over the edge, but that has not been my experience either. I think if I would have worked maybe a little bit harder in promoting and I did not work very hard with that part of it, maybe I'd be doing a little bit better, but it's one of those things where you get to the end and it's so much work and so exhausting that you just kind of like want nothing to do with it for a little while. Did you find that too? Oh, for sure. And also they want you to promote it. And that's so, it's like really so not my personality to, you know, look what I did. Here yeah. it is. <laughs> and you can only do it so much too. Like I would put it around Facebook and then all of my friends and family were like, enough already. Yes, we've seen this. So <laughs> stop. <laughs> oh, okay. So after your cookbook, that was in, what did you say, 2014? Yeah, that was the end of my highlights of my <laughs> Okay, so after that, have you just been focusing on 
just putting up content. And then also I was going to ask you, how much new content do you put up versus combing through old content? Yeah, so I get really bored. So I like new stuff all the time. But I have been going through the old stuff and had great success with it. So that's definitely something that I had an audit with Casey Marquis that he told me he actually said, don't do any new content, you have enough content for 12 years, you need to go back to the old stuff, you have that Google juice because of their older links, you know, that's what you need to be doing. And so I try to do that. But like I said, I can't help myself. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's hard not to create new stuff. Yeah. So are you combing through a lot of your old stuff and just like updating photos, updating recipes? What is your process with that? Yeah. um, I mean, I obviously posted them for a reason because I was there's a couple that I could say goodbye to. But yeah, updating the photos and SEO and all of that. have you done an audit with Casey? I have not. I'm I'm scared. <laughs> okay. Well, he's a little intense, so you should be scared. Just kidding. No, it's great. <laughs> um, I just did a mini audit because I'm cheap and I thought, you know, and it was great for me. But since he went through my site, I, you know, I'm a computer science background and he found stuff that I couldn't find, you know, that was slowing down my site or just a major no-no for Google and kind of taught me the right way to do it, the SEO. And so since I had it in April 2019, and since then, my organic search traffic has been up by like 230%. Whoa, that's amazing. Yeah, so it's definitely worth it. Yeah, it's worthwhile. I've heard so many people say that too. I just have so much wrong with my site. And I'm like, my website basically exploded in January, and it was devastating. And I'm picking up the pieces. And I've I just, it's a long story, but I just have like a lot wrong with it. So I want to get a few things fixed before I contact anyone because I know they'll just yell at me and be like, this is wrong and this is wrong. So I wasn't saying that Casey's scary. Casey, I don't think you're scary, but I'm scared (laughs) of like hearing, I'm scared of hearing someone say, why did you do this? Because I did so many things wrong in the beginning for so many years. So just kind of getting through that. Right. And yes, he's not scary. He's very direct, which I appreciate because that's why, you know, I hired you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the audits are not cheap. So if you're going to put up money for an audit, you want someone who's going to be really direct and tell you exactly what you need to do and what's wrong. And it's hard to hear what's wrong with your site because it's like our babies. And we put so much blood, sweat and tears into them, but it's good. You need to you need to know what's going on on the back end. And it's funny you say that because I have a friend who's starting a blog. And so I went over to her house a while ago to help her through some things. And it's like, when you've had a blog for so long, you have these layers, like it's just a, you know, there's so many layers over the years of stuff that you have added to it or worked on it. And it's hard to tell someone who's just starting a blog, all of that in one, one Mm -hmm. sit down, you know what I mean? (laughs) And so it, it also made me appreciate, though, that all these years we've been working on it and adding to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I do. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of leads me into, I was going to just talk about the fact that you've been in the game for so long and it means that you have to be a resilient person, right? Because there are so many moving parts that are constantly changing before our eyes. So how has it been for you to keep up with these changes and how have you stayed motivated? 
how have I kept up with the changes? Well, you have to be, like you said, you have to be resilient when, cause there's, you know, video popped up in what, 2015 and 16. And you have to learn all of that. And that's one thing that my background, I worked in forensic software and they would just hand me a book and say, Hey, learn this language. So the ability to learn, you have to be able to do that and you have to be willing to do it. But I also think that you don't have to do everything. Yeah. So how do you pick and choose? I mean, how do you know what's important and what to focus on and what not to? Well, do you remember when Facebook, we all started sharing each other's things on Facebook? Yeah. yeah. So it, it changed from your page to, and we still do that, to everyone else's shares as well, right? Yep. And that was a change that was really hard for me and that I totally resisted because it was like, I just didn't understand it. Like, why would someone want to come to my page and see everyone else's stuff? Why don't they just go to their page? So, but it's kind of the nature of the beast. And sometimes you have to play the game to, to survive. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so that was one of the things that I really struggled with, but in the, those share groups, you know, when a bigger blogger would share my stuff, my page grew a lot. So it was helpful. But actually sharing all this stuff and scheduling that, it was kind of sucking my soul. And so, yeah, I hear you. So that's when I decided that was the first time I was like, okay, I need to get a, a VA. And that's something I could hire out so that I can spend my time on better things. That's a good point. So when it gets to the point of you feeling like your soul is being sucked out of you, because I <laughs> I think that's terrible, but we've, we're all there at some point because there are, like I said, there are so many different pieces. Not everything is going to sing to us and light us up. So there are going to be those things that just feel like, oh, I'm so drained. So that is a great time to look into outsourcing and finding a really good VA or someone to help you. So how did you go about that process? How did you find a VA that worked well with you? So um, like many of us, I was in the group food bloggers helping each other. And so I just looked on there for people that are you on the group? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. What? No. Okay. <laughs> so food bloggers helping each other. And so there are a lot of recommendations and people kept recommending the same names over and over. And so that's how I found someone that has, you know, been tried and used that people trust. And so that was also in 2016, my Facebook page was hacked. Oh, no. And I know. And so they were posting inappropriate images. And, and that's when I took a huge hit in my following and people like teachers are like, I'm so sorry, I have to unfollow you. I can't, you know, I can't be a teacher. And I'm like, I had no control for about a week and a half. And I went to food bloggers helping each other. And luckily, you know how Facebook, it's so hard to find a contact over there. Someone had a friend that worked there and they fixed it within a day. So for me, having people that you can trust or like-minded people, like a group that you can ask questions. For me, my sister-in-law, she was always the one that was telling Christy that was telling me like, oh, this new thing's coming out oh, you need to do this. And so she was kind of my source. She's kind of switched to um, more lifestyle workouts and stuff like that. So I don't have as much of the insight on that anymore. But it is good to have that inner circle with insights. I am part of just a really small mastermind group and we meet weekly. And just like the the insight that comes from those ladies is so huge. Like they'll mention just something random. I'm like, I have not heard of that, but it's just good to be in the loop. And I think finding that 
group of people or even if it's a Facebook group or even just a few close blogging friends to kind of enlighten you when things happen. So the Facebook thing, I wanted to touch on that because that is devastating and knock on wood, that has never happened to me. But I've heard that that has just like almost sunk people. How did you get past that? I mean, that's got to be like a really devastating thing. That I remember um, I was meeting with some friends that night when that was all happening. And it was like you said, it was devastating. But I feel like people who aren't in this industry don't see like why that would be a big deal. Like, oh, that's too bad. But no, no, this is like my business. You know, it it was. So I kind of like had to stop myself out of it and be like, it'll all be okay. You know, you just kind of have to know that you will get through it, hopefully. And if you don't, I don't know. There's been a lot of times over the years that little things like that have happened, but you do bounce back eventually. (laughs) It seems like the end of the world in the moment. But when you look back, it's just a little blip. It's like one of those other little things that happens because they do. Websites go down. I remember having my website down for like 16 hours. I remember the number of hours. And I, it was overnight and I was awake all night and I couldn't sleep. And everyone thought I was crazy. Like, why are you freaking out about this? I'm like, this is my business, like you just said. And not to mention, you're getting a hundred emails of people saying, do you know your website's down? I know, down? You're, I know you're like, yes, exactly. <laughs> I know. Don't remind me. Yeah, I had a friend Uh, I think she sent me a message on Instagram during that time. And she was like, I went to Pinterest and found one of your recipes and it's going nowhere. I'm like, stop. (laughs) I can't hear anymore. But it is. It's a big deal in the moment. But just knowing that in the grand scheme of things and your blog, it's really a little deal. And to kind of for newer bloggers listening to expect that sort of thing, because inevitably, for sure, this sort of thing will happen. You will get hacked. Well, hopefully not, but something along those lines will happen eventually. Right. So we kind of touched on this, um, just kind of how we stay current in a constantly changing industry. You mentioned just like doing those things that maybe you don't want to do, but are trending and you have to dive into. Do you have any other advice for people about how to stay current when things are always changing? Right. Well, I feel like you can't, you can't turn a blind eye to trends, but you also don't need to do all of them. So for me, um, my husband, he is very passionate about the keto diet. And if you know, if you talk to him, he will somehow bring it up. If you ask, or he's very passionate, he's put people through keto camp, you know, our friends. and (laughs) (laughs) And so I was cooking keto and I, um, that made sense for our family. And for my blog, I've started putting keto recipes on there because I feel like to truly understand it, you have to live it. So I did do it for, I think, like three months. Um, And so, and I'm cooking for our family and for him. So I know how to cook that way, what the macros need to be. And so for us, that has been great. And it's actually, some of his recipes have been, you know, one of the biggest recipes on my blog. He made a pizza crust recipe. I don't know if you're familiar with keto. Have you done keto? I have not done keto, so I'm not super familiar. Well, it's really hard. A pizza crust that actually is crisp. So he came up with this and people have gone bananas over it. So I feel like you, you know, there's the instant pot trend. There's all the trends that have come and you don't have to do all of them, but you also do need to, I guess, try if that's what people want. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
if that's what people are wanting from you. And, and also if they make sense to you and what's natural for your family. Yeah. And to fit in with your brand a little bit. I mean, yes. I feel like the Instant Pot and appliances like that really can fit in anywhere, like no matter what diet you're focusing on or lifestyle, like even if you do just straight up comfort food, it could fit in there. So I like that advice, just experimenting and seeing what fits in with you. So that's interesting that your husband's keto recipe is one of your most popular now. That's oh, yeah, crazy. For sure. That's so cool. Does he feel like, yeah, that's right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's very, um, he's a man of few words. He's oh. <laughs> not shy, but yeah, he would never say that. But yes. Yeah. Um, also, I think like the videos, you know, everyone was doing videos and now they're doing them with them in, in front of the camera. And that for me has never, obviously, because I told you that story earlier, like it's never been natural to me. And so I'm not doing that, but I still do the hands and pans and videos because I don't know. Um, do you know the company Inspo? Yes, I have heard of them. Yep. Yeah. So they wanted me to do, they came and filmed like six videos in one day. And I will say that by the end, I was a lot more comfortable, but I, well, you know this about me, I get nervous, but I had <laughs> um, hives like all over oh, my body. No. <laughs> oh. And I like couldn't sleep the night before. So for me, I, I am doing video, but I'm doing it my way. I'm still just doing it without me in them. And I know that's, you know, people say you have to be in them, but you know what? I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think you have to be. I think people do video in so many different ways and you can really get creative with it. Like right now we are experimenting with taking some of our older hands and pans recipes videos and just doing voiceover. So I just sit here on my microphone and I record like something cool about the recipe that I liked. Like Instant Pot cake is really dense and delicious and you don't have to like walk through the steps, but it's just something different. But it's not like putting myself in front of the camera. So I think if you are one of those people that doesn't like being in front of the camera, there are so many other ways you can do it. But definitely do some video. I think it's really valuable. Don't you think so still? Yes, absolutely. And I also think you just have to always keep in mind like what your people want. What do your people want? Because I know for me, a lot of the trends, they don't, they don't care about that. My audience. And my audience is basically... Basically me, like my family with kids, you know, quick, easy recipes. If there's a long list of ingredients, I'm, they're not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So just what makes sense for you. For me, you know, the one pan dinners have been huge just because that's what I like. Um, I don't know. What about you? Um, Yeah, same. Like I kind of test out the waters on Instagram a lot because I think that's a really great platform for seeing what people are wanting from me. And I know a lot of other bloggers are doing that too. I know you do that too. You do polls and you ask people what their thoughts are on certain things. And I think that's a really smart way to go because otherwise you're just guessing. And email lists are also great for that. Sending out emails and saying, what do you want for me? Especially during times like this when we're kind of navigating uncertain waters together. It's really great to just see what people want from you and need from you. What are some other ways that you engage with your audience? I know you're great on Instagram, but do you have any other ways that you really get into it with them? No, I mean, I have an email list, but Instagram is definitely my favorite way to engage where, you know, I still, yeah, I'm still figuring myself out there, to be honest, because I get so nervous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you never look nervous. You always oh. look like 
cool, calm, and collected. <laughs> I don't know. Is that something you can get over? I don't know. I feel like I've been doing it for years and I still get so nervous. I, over time, it's gotten easier for me, but I am still that way too. Like, I remember the first few times I did it, I had a friend encouraging me. She was like, you need to get on it. You need to show your face on Instagram. And I just was like, no, I don't. I don't. And I was so freakishly nervous those first few times. It was just awkward. And, (laughs) but at least I did it, you know, like at least you're doing it. Right. And what I always try to think about is think about the people that you like to follow. What do you like about them? You like that their face is on there. You like that they're sharing their lives with you, right? For sure. Yep. Yeah. You don't just like looking at, well, I mean, everyone's different, but I like the stories that have faces sprinkled in for sure. Sprinkled, yes. Not like, yes. yes. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Not the whole thing, like the diatribes where you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I cannot listen to you anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. All right. So I know there are food bloggers listening, Christy, who would love to hear encouragement from you because you're such a long hauler. You've been through so much and you have stood the test of time. So I just hope that you have something encouraging to help people move forward and not give up. I know there are a lot of new food bloggers that are popping up in the past few years and they're really looking for that value and encouragement, which is one of the reasons I started this podcast. So I know you have something encouraging, so let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, in 2014, I think was the year that I feel like a lot of people are starting blogs. And so I would um, I would have people say, hey, do you mind if I come over and, you know, kind of ask you questions about starting a blog? And I was like, great. So they'd come over and we'd talk about it. And then they would go home. They'd start a blog for three to four months. And then they'd be like, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not seeing success. So I guess my my main point would be don't give up. <laughs> don't give up. Everyone, I feel like there's enough room on the playground for everyone. I feel like success is abundant. I don't feel like it's finite. I feel like everyone has a chance to be successful. So as long as you're working on your craft and you're being persistent, and you're showing up every day, you can do it. But you have to be, you know, trying to find ways to improve your photography. you got to be teaching yourself how to do things in the kitchen. And um, also think to yourself, why are you doing this? Are you doing this for the money? That's fine. Just why are you doing it? Are you doing it for the money? Maybe you're doing it because you love cooking. Maybe you're doing it because you like to share your knowledge. Maybe you're doing it because you enjoy photography. So I guess find your why. Why are you doing it? And then ask yourself what your definition of success is. Is your definition of success growth? Is it stability and income? Maybe success to you is is showing up every day, is making at least two posts a day. Um, I guess just define what success is to you. And I have met people that have decided that it's not their true passion. Great. And at least they figured that out, you know, before they've done this for a couple of years. Yeah, that's true. And you feel it, right? I mean, I know that I've seen people kind of come and go too, but you just can see that they're not super passionate about it and they don't have that zeal inside of them that someone like me or you has because we've kept at it for so many years. But yeah, it's not for everyone. And I love what you just said about defining success because that is going to look differently for everybody. So like one person might see success as like, I put up 150 new recipes in a year 
or I became an SEO expert, or I mean, there's so many different things you could define that way. So I think that's really smart. And I don't even know how I would define success for myself. So I'll have to evaluate that. No, and same with myself, because to be honest, so a couple years ago, I went on a brand trip, and there were some really successful bloggers there. And I came home, like kind of thinking, Oh, what have I done with my life? Like they have, you know, one of them, I know she made more than $2 million a year and the other one flew in on a private jet. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> have I not been working hard enough? Like, why am I not at this level? And my husband, he's always the source of, you know, sound advice. And he's like, look at it as a graph, right? So if you look at a graph and you're, think of your happiness, at some point it's diminishing returns because let's be honest, the more successful you are, there are more emails, there's more stress, there's more everything. So at some point, your happiness will go down if you're looking at as a graph. So where do you think you are on that? And I said, Well, I'm, I'm happy, right? I feel like I'm in this for the marathon. I know you are too. Like, this isn't a sprint, it is a marathon. And for me, I'm doing what I can with five kids at home, and they will always be my priority. I found out a long time ago, that for me, I can't do computer work during the day because I just get really like irritated at everyone. And so I learned that a long time ago that I can't do that. And for everyone, it's different. So I will do, you know, I'm a late nighter. I work from 830 till 1230, at least every day. But that's when I thrive. And that's when I get a lot done. Finding that, finding the times that work for you for the right work too. Like you mentioned, a lot of people can get up super early and work, you know, like kill it on the computer. And some people have to wait till after the kids are in bed. I think it really just depends. But, um, you are so scheduled. You are so good. Oh. <laughs> you, uh, like, you're my hero because you are you know how to do it. So, well, well, it's not when you mentioned like getting irritated. I have certain times during the day where I just get so irritated and I need to figure this out because it's really <laughs> annoying. But like 4 to 7 p.m., that should be my time to be not irritated with my family. But I'm just like, oh, yeah, so I'm still working on that. It's all it's a work in progress all the time. Right. <laughs> it really is. But like I said, I'll be I want to do this till I'm 80 or 90. Like, I just love it. Even if I wasn't getting paid, I would still be sharing the recipes. Um, maybe not at the rate I am now, but yeah. yeah. Well, that definitely shines through, Christy. I mean, when I look at your site, I can just see like you are resilient. You've got amazing content. You have passion and heart. And I think that's one of the things that makes you really successful and awesome. So, oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you have given tons of encouragement. And I was going to ask you about balancing content, but we kind of talked about that, like new content versus old. Oh, I wanted to ask you, how many recipes do you have on your site right now? Well, so I think I have like 1,300. Okay. How many do you have? You have more than that. No, I actually, well, I had about 1,000 and then I started listening to other podcasts where Casey Markey was talking about getting rid of the stuff that just weighs your site down, especially with all that old stuff that was really pointless for me to put up in the first place. So I started combing through that and I've been doing that for about a year and just getting rid of like the recipes I didn't believe in or redoing a recipe that I really loved. So I'm kind of in the process of doing that. So now I have about, I think like 850. Oh, see that's, I'm still combing through mine. So I'm sure that number 
has dropped or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot though. And I wonder how Google sees our sites with so much recipe content. Is it like they get there and they're like, I'm so overwhelmed. I can't eat. I don't even know where to start. I just worry about that. Like there's so much there. And I kind of envy people who started like four or five years ago who have just figured it out. They've got solid content. There's nothing weighing their sites down. I've thought about that too. I know. I have deleted or redirect to like a similar one. If you're like, I like this apple muffin recipe better, you know? Right. Instead of having five apple muffin recipes, maybe pick your best one and (laughs) go with that. Yes. Oh, we've had such a great conversation. I just, okay, just for the record, I've wanted Christy on the show since I started. So I am just like so happy to finally have had a conversation with you. So I feel amazing. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Yes. So yes, Christy, thanks for sharing all that you have today. And I know that you already shared some words of inspiration. Do you have anything else before we say goodbye? I actually do. Okay, so I've been listening to Brené Brown. I love her. And she said that perspective is the function of experience. And so you kind of have to think about that for a second. But what that means to me is, you know, when new things come out and you're trying to like, oh my gosh, I have to do this or something breaks and you lose half your traffic. We know from experience, and you and I, because we've been doing this long time, that yes, it's stinks, but we will get through it. Perspective is the function of experience. We know it's just a blip. And so just having that mindset that, you know, you take it with a little more stride, you know, when things happen. Yes, so true. And that's, yes. it's like a, such a simple line, but it does require a little bit of thought to really let it sink in. But I love that. Thank you for sharing. That. Yeah. And even with our current situation, you know, our kids don't know Actually, we don't know. This is the first time we've been through a pandemic or anything, but we do know that we have had hard things before. We've had, you know, other things in our history happen and we've made it through. But our kids don't know that. So I I think it's important to write the narrative for them or help them know that we will get through this. So, yes, being an, an example. And yeah, I love that. That was amazing, Christy. Thank you. And I will put just show notes up for this conversation that we've had today. And anyone interested in looking at those, you can find those at eatblogtalk.com forward slash girl who ate. Christy, I think we all know where to find you, but tell my listeners the very best place to find you online. Um, I think Instagram. So I'm at the girl who ate everything on Instagram and the eight is a number. So that's where I would go. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for being here again. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.